Welcome to the Marvel at Jesus podcast from Life 90.5, where we talk to Christian artists and more about the things that wow them about Jesus. This episode is a little bit different. We're going to be joined by Brant Hansen today. How are you, Brant? I'm doing great. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, thank you so much. He's a, a nationally syndicated radio host. We carry him on Life 90.5 overnight. He's also written some really great books, too, which maybe we'll talk about in a few minutes as well. But uh, for our Marvel at Jesus podcast, the whole purpose is to really just wow at Jesus. Talk about some of the stories that uh, that we've seen in scripture and and just share what that means to us and why it kind of made our, our minds blown, like that emoji we see all over the place. <laughs> so, Brand, what's the story in scripture for you that just blew your mind about Christ? Well, I, there's so many. One I've been thinking about a lot lately, and Kyle Eidelman pointed this out. I was reading in his book, but he called it the vanishing crowd. And it's so countercultural. It's so like we we don't even catch it, but he's he's got this crowd clamoring for him, which is kind of what everybody wants, right? You want a platform and they want mm-hmm. attention. And the crowd is mentioned. It's like he's he's being besieged by the crowd. And then in the midst of all of that, one of the most important people in the whole area comes to him for help. And that's the synagogue guy who's in charge of the synagogue, because he's like desperate and so his daughter's sick really sick and so he you know his his people are like jesus can you help this guy like he's he's a vip and so jesus is on his way in the crowd to do that and then this woman who's not even supposed to be there in the crowd he's like wait 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 somebody touched my garment he could feel the power going out of him it says but like he heals her and you never hear about the crowd again. Hmm. Like the, cr- the crowd's gone from the story. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Well, I, I, Kyle pointed that out. I was like, that, that's really interesting. And he's so dialed into her and calls her my daughter, like this endearing little girl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. My sweet little girl. And she's an older lady who's been suffering. And again, she the rules are she's not even supposed to be among people because she's unclean. So she's breaking the rules. And he's in the midst of this crowd focused on her. And I really am amazed by it. I mean, think about like God in the flesh. Like we, we can see what God is like through through what Jesus does and what he says. Like he's he's showing us what this creator is like. It's, you know, it's our chance to see it in 3d and he puts the VIP on hold and he puts the crowd completely out of the situation and she becomes the focus of his attention. Mm -hmm. And he's not in a hurry either, which is also counterintuitive. And I imagine Jairus or whatever his name is. I can't, his name. I can't remember the synagogue ruler, but I imagine Jairus or Jairus, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I think that's the story, but I can imagine that he's like, uh, emergency. Hello. Right. And they even, they even come and say, well, now it's too late. She's dead. Like, mm. so he tells Jesus, like, don't even, you don't have to come now. It's too late. Of course, Jesus isn't in any hurry at all. He's not rushed. He's relaxed. And then he goes and raises this girl from the dead, says she's just sleeping and uses another. I think he uses another sweet term of endearment for that little girl. So 
anyway, I, I'm just amazed by that because that's so not our culture to not be in a hurry, to not care about the crowds. Uh, that's pretty marvelous. And I'm trying to be more like that. I was also blown away when he wasn't in a hurry. If you the story where he's at the well with the Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. So some people are familiar with this and she's got this horrible reputation and he points out that he knows her and sends her out basically back to her village to be the first missionary of all time. And it's a, it's a woman with a bad reputation as the first missionary ever. But so that's the story. Like, she's like, could he be the Messiah? I met this man. I think he is or whatever. Well, the people meet Jesus and they, and I always thought well, that's kind of where the story ends, but they actually ask him, would you stay for a few days? And I remember reading this fairly recently, going, I don't remember how this ends. And I stopped myself before I read any further. And I'm like, I don't remember him staying with them. I don't remember that either. I'm going to have to look yeah. that up now. Well, the, the way it ends, spoiler, before you look it up, he says, yeah. And he stays with them for a few days. I mean, that's pretty wild. Like you think if anybody has an important job, it would be the Messiah. It'd be Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you, like you said, you, you think of the people like the, the quote unquote important folks who want his attention, yeah. like the Jairus guy or whoever yeah. he was going to uh, when he made a detour and Samaria, you know, but, but no, he takes the time for those, not just nobody people, but the sick and outcast, nobody people. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a really cool thing about Christ that, that I'd like to emulate some more too. Yeah. And, and you, we think, well, I'm so busy. I got so much stuff mm -hmm. going on. Well, you're not the Messiah. I mean, we shouldn't think we are anyway. Right. So how is it that he's able to structure his life where he can, they can say, can you stay for a few days? He says, yes. I mean, we'll be like, yeah, but that was an ancient time. We're like, no, 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 no. We have more leisure available to us now because mm -hmm. of technology and whatnot we've just structured our lives a certain way right but he's demonstrating how you can trust god and just live each day and be focused on what comes across your path right now and be relaxed about it i heard dallas willard asked about or he was asked what is it about how would you describe jesus in one word which is a huge question, right? That's like, a big question. And his answer, I'm still, it's a head scratcher, but in a good way, of all the things he could have picked, he picked the word relaxed. <laughs> that is <laughs> like not he, the word that would have come to my mind, yeah. but wow. No, but on balance, there's something there. Like, uh, like, yeah, the week of his crucifixion, he's feeling the weight of this oncoming pain. And he, you know, he clears the temple and he says, this is the way it's going to be like, but the way he goes about his daily life, he's able to focus on whoever's right there in front of him. And he's not in a hurry and he's not worried at all. Like, like being out on the lake when there's a big storm, for instance, mm -hmm. he's not, he's, he brought a cushion. It says like he was ready to relax and he knew there was going to be a storm. But I think that's very instructive. I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, there's all sorts of applications for life, but before we can apply stuff, you just kind of, again, you like, like you said, you had to marvel at them and, mm -hmm. and also marvel about how good God is to give us that, that vivid 
a vivid illustration of who he is. Mm -hmm. And I, I love looking back through the scriptures as, as an adult now. Yeah. I learned all the Bible stories when I was a little girl. Right. True. And and yeah. now been a believer for nearly 30 years now. And, and so going back through the gospels and just noticing those, those little details and just asking God to show me something about, about Christ that I've not noticed before. And boy, is he faithful to do that when I ask for that. And it that's just makes really me cool. love Jesus more and more. Yeah. That's really cool to ask that question too, because that has to be a affirmative from God, like we, if we're earnestly asking, I want to know you better. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what heavenly father, what, what earthly father even that has any worth anything is like, nah, like that's a sweet thing. One thing about learning all these stories too, when you're young, which I've had to battle was you learn them in a certain context. You learn to skip over certain things that are just like, I don't understand. Let's, let's just ignore that. <laughs> right. And then, uh, you also become numb to some things because you've heard it so many times. You don't really, it's, it's the lullaby effect, right? Like you've mm-hmm. heard this thing over and over and over and you kind of go to sleep on it. So that's something I was just talking with a friend yesterday about like one of Jesus parables. It's called the parable, of the shrewd manager. It's baffling. And we were both kind of marveling that we were raised in church and stuff. And we'd heard this thing, but we, no one ever really preaches on it. No one ever really teaches on it very often because no one really, it's so, it's so counterintuitive. Right. You'd have to look it up, but there's, there's great stuff we know, but we just kind of have to wrestle with it. And I think that's how a good rabbi teaches. We know that like you have to wrestle. Mm -hmm. So I like wrestling with it instead of just blowing past everything. Well, that's, I think that's, that's where you end up learning a lot is when you, you encounter these things that maybe you don't quite understand and you take the time to wrestle with it, not just, oh, this is outside of my 15 minute devotional time. I just really don't have the time to really think through this. It's, yes. it's no, take time to wrestle with scripture, wrestle with Jesus. And, yeah. and that's where you're going to find him. Stop down. Don't be afraid if you don't know the answer because mm-hmm. you'll be turning it over in your head for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's the genius of rabbinical style that Jesus embodies. And we're not always aware that that's what he's doing, but he's leaving people walking away going, huh? Um, who am I in that story that he just told? Mm-hmm. And it, but if you spell it out didactically, you don't. You just like, oh yeah, I got it, and you walk off. That's the way we're used to it as Westerners. But in Jesus' manner of teaching, which I think he, I know he's the most brilliant teacher of all time, it's the struggle that pays off. Mm-hmm. So we're just not used to that at all. But if you trust God and you trust the authority of of scripture, you shouldn't be afraid of stuff you don't know. You should Mm -hmm. be like, sweet, I don't understand it. I'm going to find out more about this. Right. It's a chance to learn something. Totally. That's just exciting, right? So Mm -hmm. that's that's just not how we normally operate, but you can become more that way. And um, that's being a good disciple of Jesus, because that's what he's he's calling us into with these teachings. Um, He's calling us into wrestle with stuff. It's good. I agree. hundred percent. Well, that's good stuff, Brand. Thank you for, cool. for that. I love it. Um, so I know you've, you've written a lot of books cause you're a big time Christian author as your website says. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> What's your, uh, your most recent book about Brant? Well, the most recent one, well, they just reissued unoffendable, which is a book about anger and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, um, before that is a book called the men we need, which is about masculinity. And I'll tell you about that. I've been thinking about it. I'm writing a young men's version of that book now. Um, but guys don't have any 
clue in this culture about who they're supposed to be. We, we basically define masculinity out of existence. Like it's either toxic or we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally can't articulate. I'm talking about churches too. Like can't articulate it, a vision. So instead, all you have are these puzzle pieces. And I feel so sorry for us guys. Like we have puzzle pieces about masculinity, but we don't know what the big box top picture is. And a lot of the puzzle pieces are things that would disqualify me from being masculine. Like, well, it's uh, camping out and it's having a big truck and it's, uh, you know, it's we eat steak, we do axe throwing. I can't do axe throwing. I have vision problems and balance problems. Like, you don't want me at your axe throwing event. (laughs) Thank you for being so kind as to not go axe throwing. That's very thoughtful of you. Yeah. So if you do that as a church, for instance, you're like, well, this is what manhood is. It's like, well, we'll get together. We'll, we'll have more campouts and hiking and mountain climbing. And then almost every man's book, it's like, here's a guy running with the bulls. Here's a guy on a mountaintop, a sil- silhouetted as he's climbing a thing. Like, well, that's not me. Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot of guys. But that's not really masculinity, is it? Like, there right. must be something deeper. So I'm proposing an actual positive vision to say, this is what you're supposed to be. And I go back to being a keeper of the garden, which was Adam's specific job. Like that was a job given to Adam. And being a keeper of the garden means you have this sphere of influence that you use to cultivate and expand the kingdom of God. But you protect the species, the flowers, the animals, the flora and fauna in your in your sphere. And you cultivate it. So if I have a garden, and I do, everybody does. You have your sphere of influence as a man. Mm-hmm. I protect the vulnerable in that space, in that sphere. Those are in the, in the people around me, in my neighborhood, in my family. I should never be a threat to the vulnerable. If I am a threat to women and children, for instance, mm. I've betrayed my role as a keeper. Now I'm the invader. So if I make my wife feel insecure, I've betrayed my role. What I have to do is make women, children, all the vulnerable feel secure because i'm there and that kind of manliness i think is obviously a lot more valuable than being able to throw an axe you know what's what's more important here what's what do you what do we want to see in the men in our lives not just muscles and be able to lift heavy things no it's it's making making those around him feel safe and being that 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 well you could you could like you said you'd be fascinated not surprised probably but you could probably speak to that because the women who sit in when i'm talking to guys a lot of times it's a mixed crowd I'm always wondering, what are they thinking? And then they come up to me afterward, like, oh my gosh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, see, well, because guys, will, if, they, if they think that all these trappings of masculinity are masculine, it's weird because your wife won't find that attractive at all if you're actually insecure. Mm-hmm. If you're actually a threat to her, you're sarcastic, or maybe you're, you're flirty with other women or something like that, she likes to resent your muscles. Yeah. She'll resent your big truck. She'll resent all this stuff. That's not masculinity at all. Conversely, you don't have to look like a GQ model. You don't have to look like a men's fitness guy. You don't have to have ripped abs. You don't have to have, you don't even have to have a big wallet. If you make a woman feel secure, you're golden. Absolutely. That's you're golden. So I, I actually read your your book, The The Men We Need. I read half of it in one afternoon because it was oh, just okay. so like, like <laughs> I, I, I was eating that up. I was like, this good. is this is the kind of men we need. For sure. And and I I look at my husband, it's like he might not be the most fit person, but 
But when when he's defending me, like there was there was a scary situation come up yeah. recently. But the fact that he was he was going to stand between me and the danger that was I mean, that's that's what men need need to do. And yes. I'm not just sit, sitting here as a woman saying men need to do this. It's like, no, that's that's no. the most amazing thing about men is to stand up for for those and protect those around them. And it's so freeing, too, for guys like you that that ideal and women face ideals like crazy, too. Mm-hmm. Like it's impossible. But. Like to say this, that isn't real. Those are the trappings, the outer trappings of masculinity. They're outward signifiers. So an immature woman will look at a muscular man and think, oh, he could defend me and my offspring or he could defend me. And and that's why it's attractive, because at a, at a deep level, that's what it connotes. But once she yeah. finds out that that's actually what not what you're made of. It's not it's not attractive anymore. Yeah, exactly. So and if, if you have a big belly, you're a little flabby, but man, you make your wife feel secure. She knows that you will always, she, that you can always be trusted, mm-hmm. that you don't cut her down with your words. Like that sort of stuff, that's, that is golden. And again, for a, I want younger guys to know this, but older guys too, because if you're not given a big picture, what's the vision for masculinity? And everybody's. Mm-hmm. Everybody rips on guys. Well, you guys are just playing video games and you're just doing this. And you're just, well, if you don't have a bigger vision, what the heck is the answer? And we're not giving them a vision. So, so they're caught up in, in pornography and video games and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, well, that is bad, but tell me what the inspiring vision is. And once, once they get it, they get it and they're off to the races. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I admire you for for writing that book and standing up for for what real masculinity should look like as opposed to the the toxic masculinity and everything else we hear about nowadays. Yeah. I think that's that book is so very needed. So thank you for for that. Ooh, Where okay. can people get that book, Brant? At all the book places, like the <laughs> big Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles and the Christian book distributors and the Got it. Thank you again for for joining me for this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate you you taking your time. I know you're you're a busy guy, but but this this means a lot to me. Thank I you. I am, but this is great. I am. This is great, and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this. Well, thank you, Brant, and uh, and you have a really great weekend. Okay. You too. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the Marvel at Jesus podcast, go ahead and subscribe so you can get the next episode as soon as it comes out from Life ninety point five.